No matter where you live on this earth, there are some creepy and unsettling people out there. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, horror stories sent in by viewers just like you guys. Now this series is a little different from my normal stuff. Normally I cover the outdoors and such, but these are more close encounters with human beings and how unsettling and creepy they can be. Joining me today helping me share some of these stories is my good friend and southern brother from another mother, Southern Cannibal. If you enjoy his voice, please be sure to check out his channel, as he's incredibly close to hitting 100,000 subscribers. Definitely check out his videos and give him a sub. Now, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be something from the outdoors or a creepy experience with a human being, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. Now, let's get into these stories that'll keep you up tonight. Now this is not the longest of stories, but one thing is for sure, I will never forget how freaked out I was. So this happened a few years ago now, when I was about 15 years old. I had met one of my best friends to go out and partake in burning a certain green herb as we usually would. Now, we had just picked up a bag and proceeded to go down this path into a small, wooded area we used to hang out in. Now this wooded path was next to a small cage where you could play football, basketball, and other stuff. The woodland section was also known as a dog walking area, so it was not unusual for people to be around. This was all part of a public park, by the way. As we entered the beginning of the wooded area, me and my friend noticed that there seemed to be an old woman walking a small black dog. The woman had a bright red coat on, and the dog ran around her feet in circles as it followed her. Although me and my friend were eager to roll up, we did not want to alarm this old lady or inconvenience her in any kind of way. So, as we started slowly walking forwards, we followed slowly, not wanting to startle her or frighten her. The path in the woodland starts to turn slightly before you come to a bench, which we were going to be sitting on, so this lady could walk slowly with her pup and get away from us. But as we turn the corner... Both the lady and the dog seem to, uh, I kid you not, evaporate into thin air. It's like the foliage had eaten them. One second they were there, the next they became the leaves and the light of the dimming sun peeking through the gaps between the branches and leaves. Both me and my friend were stunned. We stood in complete shock for a second, before continuing to the bench. We barely said a thing about it, because we just could not believe what we saw. It gives me chills just thinking about it. We are both logical human beings. We like to think and really try to make this rational, you know? And it totally threw us out of it. We have barely spoken about it because of how strange and unbelievable the whole thing was. But one thing we know for sure is we both saw the same thing. And after that, we never went to that spot again. My story begins sometime in 2010. I was a little devil, and I had a brother who was also not an angel either. My parents were going through a divorce. At the time, my mom was having an affair. 
With me being six, I had no real idea, so I did not tell my dad. Well, I woke up and turned on the TV. I was bored and eating cereal when my dad comes into the living room with his hands over his face. When I look back on it, his voice was incredibly shaky. I failed to mention earlier that I had a small Pomeranian. In case you do not know what that is, a Pomeranian is a small dog that's slightly bigger than a Chihuahua and is incredibly puffy. My dad asked me to take the dog outside and walk it. I got excited because in the past my dad never let me take the dog out by myself. My parents worked a lot, so I went to a babysitter a lot. Well, my brother was spending the night at my babysitter's house, so I was alone with my mom and dad that day. My mom was inside. I went over to the neighbor's house and sat underneath their tree. I was not allowed to, but I knew my parents would come and spend time with me when I did, and they never came. I sat for maybe 20 minutes, and then I heard what sounded like somebody knocking on a door. That's when I realized it was not a door. My six-year-old self never knew what was happening. I tried to open the door, but it was locked. Maybe the side door. It was locked as well. I started to get shaky. What if my parents forgot about me? I started banging on the door as hard as I could, and I got no answer, so eventually went to my neighbors for help. When I told them what happened, they called the police. They were acting very scared. They sent me to their guest bedroom and would not let me out for quite some time. The room was completely empty. A policeman came and took my statement. I said I heard two door knocks and then nothing. And eventually I was knocking on the door and wall for a while, but I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. He shook his head and the police officer came and took me to McDonald's. I remember this police officer being exceptionally beautiful. Well, after that, I was taken to my babysitter's house. After maybe a year, my grandma tried to adopt me, but she died shortly after losing the case from heart problems. I do not remember much about the family that adopted me. But after about a year, I tried to get out of there because they were very abusive and would treat me bad while giving their biological daughter whatever the hell she wanted. I do not live with them anymore, thank God. What happened to my parents was my dad shot my mom and then committed suicide. I'm not trying to be like woe is me, but I just had to share this story and get it off my chest. Thanks for listening and sharing it on the show if you do. I know it's pretty dark, but I think it makes a good story. there. My story is 100% true, and it's something that happened to me and an ex-girlfriend about five years ago. We had been seeing each other for about six months when we decided we would go away for an off-the-grid weekend in my camper van at Exmoor National Park, UK. Off-the-grid meaning no phones, no laptops, or any tech of any sort. Just the two of us. We didn't live in the area, and it was about a four-hour drive from my house in London. We had both worked on that Friday, and we had arrived home at around 4pm. Having packed the previous night, we then showered, changed, and set off. After escaping rush hour London, we didn't arrive until about 10pm. Now, this wasn't really ideal, as we would now be finding a suitable location to park up for the night in the dark. Given that neither of us knew the area or had ever been there before, it would present some difficulties. 
we arrived at a place called Porlock. We stopped here for fish and chips, and we had spent some time speaking to the locals, and we actually found out that the way up onto the moor was a giant hill. Aptly named Porlock Hill, the hill twists and turns and is seemingly endless, especially when you're driving a heavy old VW camper as I was. As we reached maybe halfway up, we then see a man standing by his car and waving his hands. I remembered him as one of the locals who had given us advice as to where to stay. We decided to stop and ask if he needed assistance, much to my girlfriend's displeasure. He told me that his car had completely broken down. I offered to look it over as I had always had the tools in the van, but he was very dismissive and he told me that he didn't live far and he asked that we take him a little way up the road and then he would walk most of it. He said that we could drop him off right next to a beautiful parking spot that we could stay in overnight for free. Given that by this time it was late, we were both very tired and had no cash on us, so I decided it was best we stay there. Again, much to my girlfriend's displeasure. We dropped him off at the car park and we watched him walk off across the field on the other side of the road. My girlfriend, having always lived in the city, making her very untrusting and having found the man a little creepy, then watched him until he completely disappeared into the night. My girlfriend was very annoyed and felt very unsettled and then insisted we move somewhere else, somewhere where nobody knew where we were. It caused a bit of a disagreement and eventually I managed to convince her to stay there for the night and that we would then move first thing in the morning. After some time had passed, we had set up the bed and settled down for the night. The bed I had made myself folded down from behind the front seats and looked towards the rear of the van. We pulled the curtains around the front, then got into bed. The rear of the van didn't have any curtains. The windows were very slightly tinted, but I had never gotten around to hanging permanent curtains. We're now laying in bed having a bit of a cuddle, and I get this weird feeling of being watched. I look over my girlfriend's shoulder, and there is the man looking right in through the rear windows, hands pressed against the glass, peering in right at us. I immediately jump, and as soon as he sees me move, he starts trying the door handles. The backs are never open, though. I remember locking the side door, but it is an old camper. There's no central locking. He tries the side door, which is also locked. Then I hear him grapple with the passenger side door as I then pull the curtains concealing the front. It's locked. We make very brief eye contact as he then shoots around to the driver's side. I launch myself over the seats as he opens the door. I grab the handle and we struggle a few seconds. He's getting the better of me and he managed to get the door completely open. Right behind my seat is a tire iron. I begin to reach back with my legs facing him trying to stop him from entering the van. I manage to grab the tire iron, then spring forward. He sees that I now have a weapon, and he starts to run. I make it about 15 steps behind him before it occurs to me that my girlfriend is still in the van. I turn back and go back to the van. I get back in the van. My girlfriend, who's an exceptionally strong, brave, and incredible woman, is tucked up in a ball, completely traumatized, crying hysterically, and absolutely begging me to leave. I immediately start the van and begin to drive out of the car park. I turn to go left back towards the nearest town, Porlock. The road is a small windy road and it can barely even fit two cars on it. As I go to pull out, a car in the direction I am heading for stops bang in the middle of the road, full beams on, blocking the entire road. My girlfriend screams at me to go the other way. As I said before, my van's really old and it's a little slow. 
As soon as we turn on the road, the car shoots up right behind us. It's so close that we're almost touching bumpers. He follows us for the next hour and a half through all of the wind lanes, no houses, and no other vehicles. We have no phone and no way of contacting the outside world. Eventually, we reach a small town and the car turns away from us. We continue to drive for probably another hour before then finding a 24-hour garage. We go inside and we call the police. The police search the entire area where the attack happened, take our statements, and escort us to a hotel. The guy was never found. The other locals we spoke to said they didn't know who he was and that he wasn't from Portlock. Some weeks later, we were contacted by the police regarding another incident in that same car park. However, this time the man had found a young family. Fortunately, on this occasion, all of the doors were locked and they actually had a dog with them which alerted them to his presence. They phoned the police and the man ran away. He was eventually apprehended a month later when an undercover police car was placed there. It turns out that the man had been released from a psychiatric prison three days before we had met him, disappeared from his halfway house, and had been sleeping in his car on the reserve. My girlfriend and I had broken up at this point due to all the stress from the situation, and this is the first time I've told anyone apart from my immediate family about that night. It truly was horrifying. For context, I live in the UK, and a car boot sale is like a yard sale, but with lots of people selling random stuff in a field for a small amount of money. This event occurred when I was about four years old. My mom and grandmother had taken me to a car boot sale where they were selling lots of old junk. They were at the stalls selling what they had brought with them, and I was walking around the field, being a normal young child. My mom did not mind because she was still able to see me. We had been there for about an hour and a half. My mom and grandmother were getting ready to leave, while I wandered around the field waiting for them. About five minutes later, my mom looked back in my direction to see what I was doing and if anyone was near me. She did not notice anything at first, but then out of the corner of her eye, she saw a flash. So she looked over. Standing about 15 meters away from me was a man about 6 foot tall, wearing a baseball hat with a camera, taking pictures of me. Immediately, my mom, who was a 5 foot 5, medium build woman, walked over to the man, calling over two random men who were just as big as the creep with the camera. The two guys grabbed the guy and took the camera out of his hands, while my mom was basically shouting at the guy for being so disgusting. The man tried to get his camera back, but when the other guys started threatening him, he ran off. After talking to a few other people who were there that day, who had seen that man acting strangely and talking to young children taking pictures of them without permission, they decided to call the police and give them the camera. They gave a description of the man and what had happened that day. The police never told us the other type of stuff that was on the camera, but they say they would keep an eye out for the creep. It was apparently enough creepy pictures that it warranted a whole investigation. I just don't know whatever came of it. Last summer, I went to a house party in the Gary Owen neighborhood of Limerick, here in Ireland. We were right in the middle of lockdown restrictions, 
and I know it was stupid and selfish of me to go, but I was just so in need of a stress release. I am a social creature, and I need to spend time around people. Like, I was going to be mad being stuck all on my own. I do regret going, but breaking COVID restrictions are not the reason I wish I had not gone, because I saw one of the worst, most horrifying things I have ever seen in my life at that party, and it is something I do not think I'll ever get out of my head. So the party is going swimmingly for a few hours, and I am occupied being the little social butterfly that I am. But then, I walk into the kitchen to get another drink, and this big argument is unfolding between this couple that seemed to be based around allegations of infidelity. It was super intense and awkward being there, so I just quietly grab my bottle of wine from the fridge and then head back to where I was trying to talk with my friends and get away from that drama. I did not really think much of it at the time. House parties can be weird like that after all. One room people are passed out, another one has people dancing around, while some rooms host little arguments between couples that usually do not turn into something hideous. Only, this one did. The guy in the argument storms out of the party, and then for a few hours everything is good vibes again. But then at some point later in the night, the guy comes back to the party. People know his face by that point, so they do not really have any reason to not let him in, and I'm guessing he did not give them any clue as to what he was about to do. Otherwise, they would have never let him back into the house. The guy then searches the house to find the girl he had been arguing with. I'm not actually sure if they were a couple or not, I just heard them arguing about sleeping around. When he finds her, he confronts her and starts screaming at her, then reaches into his jacket, takes out a bottle, and then appears to douse her with the contents. People thought he was just being a dick and throwing vodka on her, the outrage partly stemming from the wasted alcohol as well as the undue aggression. He then legs it from the room while she is screaming. From the people I have spoken to about it, the one who was in the room when it happened, they first thought her screaming was her being a bit melodramatic and having some drink chucked in her face obviously was not going to make her be quiet, you know? But then she took her hands away from her face and it was covered with what looked like burns. It was not alcohol he had thrown into her face. It was acid. Luckily, someone there was a chemistry graduate. They realized what was happening almost straight away and then grabbed something from under the kitchen sink that would neutralize the acid. I do not know what it was exactly, but it was some other chemical that probably did not do much good for her either. But it stopped the damage from being any worse. I heard the poor girl had to have a skin gaff from her leg even though, with the help she got from her injuries, it was still horrific. The bloke who did it went on the run for a bit too. Like, the Garde, what we call the police in Ireland, did not manage to get the cuffs on him for a month. And we were all so relieved when they finally did catch him. I cannot imagine what kind of monster does something like that after an argument. I don't care what it was over. To use actual acid to try and permanently disfigure someone's face. That takes a special kind of evil, don't you think? My Uncle Andrew has this story from back when he was a commercial airline pilot. He wasn't piloting the plane this happened to, but he heard the story from a friend of his who used to fly private jets around West Africa. Apparently, the gig paid well enough, but because the safety regulations and some of the more turbulent politics around the region, 
the flying could get pretty hairy from time to time. A bunch of crazy stuff happened to him while he was over there, but the thing that made him quit makes for quite the yarn. So apparently, his friend is co-piloting the private jet of some African ambassador, but the plane is basically falling apart. All the dials are faulty, the landing gear was on the fritz. Basically, you were taking your life in your hands whenever you piloted this aircraft. But since they were coming to the end of their contract, they did not want to quit early and not get paid their bonus. So, they worked with the ground crew to ensure the aircraft was just about fit for takeoff each time. Point being, my uncle's friend is seriously stressed out, and the actual pilot had taken to drinking most nights just to keep his nerves together. The straw that broke the camel's back, though, was this one-night flight into Nigeria. The turbulence had been rough as hell on this occasion, and apparently the pilots are just about ready to throw in the towel. The flight is almost over, and they're about to breathe a sigh of relief as they begin their descent into whatever airport they're flying into. The way my uncle tells it, his friend is focusing on the runway, but the entire city is behind it. This massive metropolis of glittering lights, then suddenly, all the lights just disappear, like the city itself was just swallowed up by the earth. My uncle's friend and the pilot of the private jet just about crap their pants. With their faulty equipment and complete lack of experience landing in this particular city, they're maybe only seconds away from smashing that plane onto the runway, or maybe even a building if they tried to pull away too late. Then, to make matters even worse, the pilot just seemed to shut down. He was on this full-on mental breakdown and just freezes up in his seat. My uncle's buddy had to take control of the aircraft and basically just guess where the runway was. He said it was the most stressful and terrifying flight of his life. How he was expecting the plane to just burst into flame at any second as it collided with something. He pushed the engine to its absolute limits too said the plane was shaking at every angle we turned at. Miraculously, they don't crash or stall, and they make it back into the skies above the darkened city. My uncle's buddy starts bawling out, the pilot for freezing up like he did, but the guy was catatonic until they landed and didn't say a thing in response. After that, they went into a holding pattern until the power came back on, and they could get in touch with the air traffic control and get permission to land. I hate flying as it is. But imagining that kind of a scenario is like a pucker factor of 10. Word was the pilot was so freaked out that he refused to take the return flight, bought a business class ticket back to the US, and was never seen or heard from again. My uncle's friend had to wait until his client would hire a new pilot before he could get out of Lagos or Nairobi. Or whatever it was. Somehow, he managed to finish his contract without that plane falling apart on him, or any more cities going dark, and he made it out of Africa with a buttload of bonus cash. But after that, he was much more selective of who his clients were, and I think now he just flies domestic and makes a steady salary that way. It's a crazy story though. All the times that you would want power not to go out, landing a plane is definitely up there. Before I moved across the country for college, I lived with my mom in Fresno, California. I love her and she always did her best for me and my sister with what little she had. 
but I think she'd be the first to admit that we lived in a crampy neighborhood with little opportunity to improve our situation. But I guess that's just how life is when you're a teenage pregnancy with a father who just disappeared in the thin air. But growing up, I must admit I always thought my mom was a bit of a hard ass. She rarely let us play outside, would never let us go to the store on our own. She acted like an all-around control freak whose goals were to make our lives as boring and uneventful as possible. Later in life, we had a major heart-to-heart -heart where she leveled with me about why she was so strict with us when we were growing up. After that, I understood why she was the way she was. The family next door were heavily involved in meth and gang activity, but they weren't just partying and dealing out of their home. They were a group of seriously sadistic psychopaths who did things to the local community that you could only describe as pure evil. They got raided by the cops in the end, but not before they had done some pretty irreparable damage to the neighborhood. And my mom opened up by telling me about one particular incident that happened, and that was the catalyst for her being so strict with us. Apparently, they used a little recruitment tactic on more than one occasion, one that involved inviting a young girl over to a party before forcing her to smoke meth. They'd keep her there for days, just feeding her meth and loaning her out to partygoers, if you know what I mean. That's the least obscene way I can phrase it, but you get the idea. Then, they'd threaten to tell her parents or tell the cops on her, some kind of blackmail method, to keep them coming back and bringing their friends and siblings, etc. From what I understand, it was kind of a vicious cycle of brainwashing girls, which in turn attracted more guys, which then allowed them to sell considerably more meth since lewd activity was involved. My mom also said that more than once, she saw two guys carrying unconscious people out to a car, throwing them in the back seat, then driving them away. And that on a couple of occasions, she saw missing people's posters for these people tacked up around the neighborhood. I asked her why she didn't go to the cops about the family, and she broke down crying. She said she was constantly terrified and had multiple encounters with the family members next door, who had all said that if she ever called the cops, or if the cops ever showed up, they'd make sure she suffered. She told me that they once warned her that they were heavily armed, and all kinds of automatic weapons were inside their house, and if the cops ever came, they'd rather all die in a shootout than be taken alive. Apparently, they laughed about how they had guns so powerful that they'd rip through the neighborhood, and that our family would probably die in the crossfire or something. That was something that absolutely terrified her. We were all she had in this world, and she wanted to protect us at all cost, so the idea of losing our life to some horrific, drug-fueled shootout was definitely a nightmare. My mom is a quarter Mexican, and she knew a few things about something called Santa Muerte, a kind of pagan figure that some Mexican people worship as like a personification of death. She said that she could sometimes hear people in the backyard of the meth house invoking her name, possibly even making blood sacrifices since she heard chickens squawking and goats bleeding. And, according to her, a lot of people who worshipped Santa Muerte were connected with Mexican cartels and were not to be messed with. It took her years before she was able to afford to move out of there, and by the time that happened, I was a sophomore in high school. But I can't even describe the relief I felt when I heard she was moving away from Fresno with my little sister. 
For the first time in years, I was actually excited about going home to visit. We were finally getting away from this freaking psycho family of meth-addicted death worshippers. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories that'll freak you out. Sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5 star rating as that helps me out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us and help us expand our ever-growing waters? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video as I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite one tonight. I'd probably say that last one was my favorite. There's just something about drug addicted occultist or whatever they're doing. I'm not too familiar with Santa Morete, but it sounds very culty to me and sounds like a lot of black magic I wouldn't want to mess with. I couldn't imagine having those as neighbors. Definitely let me know what your favorite story was though. If you'd like to support the channel outside of hitting that like button and subscribing, maybe check out the merch store. I have t-shirts, face masks, hoodies, and much more. If you guys aren't aware, you can download your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. It's absolutely free and always will be. Thank you guys once again for supporting the Swamp the way you do. If you enjoyed my good friend Southern Cannibal's voice, please be sure to check out his channel. I have it linked in the description down below. He's a super talented reader and is very close to 100,000 subscribers. Please help him reach that. I think he deserves it. And I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.